this potential of being a blessing as a Sunday morning service. Uh, I believe any time we get together uh, that there's always the potential for God to get a hold of hearts. And so I'm excited about this. I mentioned this morning we're going to be uh, going through the book of Nehemiah as the Lord leads here. So we'll next several Sunday nights anyway. And so go ahead and take your Bibles, turn to the book of Nehemiah, uh, chapter 1. Do just have some introductory remarks I'd like to make and then we'll, we'll get to the text here in just a moment. And uh, we'll spend a good bit of time just talking about this book, a little background information, uh, somewhat of a maybe a Sunday school lesson type uh, here at the beginning before we get into uh, the message uh, tonight. And uh, of course, uh, Brother, uh, yeah, Brother uh, uh, Brad has it up there already. And we're going to be talking about how Nehemiah had a broken heart. And, uh, you know, often we think about having a broken heart, you know, we, we kind of look at that in the negative and often that's true you know we don't you know it it breaks my heart to see somebody with a broken heart but uh if you've lived the christian life uh any time at all you know that sometimes we need a broken heart right in other words we need to be broken hearted over some things to have that right motivation sometimes we need to be broken hearted over something to see it as god would have us to see it so as unpleasant as it is to be brokenhearted sometimes, sometimes I believe it is necessary. Matter of fact, sometimes I believe it's a must. You know, uh, when we're brokenhearted over something, it means there's some compassion. You know, there's some, some seriousness tied to that, uh, some zeal as well. And oftentimes that's what God is looking for in our lives. And uh, so we're going to be talking about that here in just a moment. But I just wanted to kind of talk about the book of Nehemiah. I've been praying about this and I almost wanted to back up and preach the book of Ezra first. And, of course, we're looking at uh, the time after the exile. In other words, the Israelites uh, are, are coming back after they've been exiled. And, uh, uh, but God just kind of said, you know what, just start with the book of Nehemiah. So that's what I'm going to do. And so we're going to be doing a series of messages in the book of Nehemiah. And just to kind of give you a little background here, most probably maybe be familiar with the timeline here. And uh, so it's probably about 14 years that have passed since the revival under Ezra's leadership. Um, uh, and there were some great things that had happened there, but within that 14 years, things had kind of settled back down. You know, and that's the Christian life, right? I mean, we get excited and get on fire and praising Jesus, and then we cool off. And uh, it was the same thing with the Israelites as well. Now, another thing to keep in mind, too, is by the time we get to the book of Nehemiah, Many scholars believe that almost 90 years have passed since the first group actually came back with Zerubbabel. So there, you know, this is, we're we're looking, you know, at a, at a pretty big timeline. Uh, this is probably around 445 BC, somewhere in there. <clears throat> By this time, uh, we know that uh, King Artaxerxes, uh, he's the king of Persia. I talked about that this morning. So the Babylonians have moved off the scene, uh, and uh, uh, the Medo-Persian Empire is now the world empire. Uh, now, there's still, even though there were Jews that were allowed to go back to Jerusalem, many of them chose to stay uh, uh, just because that's where a lot of them had grew up and those types of things. And uh, we're looking here at uh, Nehemiah. Uh, now, Nehemiah, uh, certainly he, we see here he had a heart for those in Jerusalem, although he hadn't been there yet. Um, and he is actually the cupbearer. Uh, to uh, King uh, uh, Artaxerxes. And um, he would receive news uh, of those that had been to Jerusalem and now back in the, the area there of Babylon. 
uh, uh, Shusha actually was the name of the, the town that we're in. But uh, uh, he would learn of the, the condition of things there in Jerusalem in the area of Judah, and it wasn't good. Uh, and it breaks his heart, and we'll read some scriptures uh, to, to verify that. In other words, his heart is truly broken over the news that he, that he gets, <clears throat> and we'll, we'll preach through these things, but as we learn, he would a eventually be commissioned by the king to go to Jerusalem and encourage the people and actually rebuild the wall of Jerusalem. Although they had been there for many decades by now, the wall that had been torn down by Nebuchadnezzar was still down. Uh, it was in shambles. Uh, and uh, God would use Nehemiah uh, to encourage the people and rebuild that wall in a relatively short period of time. As a matter of fact, uh, that is the, the, the wall around the city of Jerusalem, which was important in those days. Now, you know, with that said, you know, a lot of times when we want to do something for the Lord, as Nehemiah did, he, he wanted to do something for the Lord, but immediately he begins to experience resistance not only from those on the outside, but even from the inside as well. And it's the same thing today, is it not? I mean, a lot of times we want to do something for the Lord. And listen, there's always resistance, and we have to understand that. Unfortunately, some people, when they have resistance, they give up or quit. Uh, we're going to see Nehemiah didn't do that. But uh, I just simply believe that we understand that we don't wrestle with flesh and blood, right? Where these are spiritual battles. So anytime we want to do something great for God, hey, listen, there's always going to be resistance. You know, the devil doesn't just roll over and let us do things, you know. Uh, and a lot of times it comes from the outside. Sometimes it comes from the inside, as we'll see. Uh, and Nehemiah certainly would encounter, especially from the outside, fierce opposition, <clears throat> even life-threatening opposition, uh, because at the same time we understand there were a lot of foreigners there in the land of Judah, and they, they hated the Jews. They, they did not want this to happen at all. Uh, and they would lie and, and do all that they could to discourage uh, the Jews. And even as they were building the wall to stop the work. Uh, but God, praise God, he would be with Nehemiah. And he'd give him great courage and wisdom. And, and his, uh, his, you know, God's will was done. Uh, there were certainly some problems, as I mentioned, as well on the inside. And uh, we're going to learn how some of the, the well-off Jews there in Jerusalem, they were exploiting the poor, their own brethren, which went against the, uh, the law, that is uh, Judaism. Uh, and uh, so Nehemiah would have to confront this problem as well. And so it was a huge responsibility. There was a lot of things that had to be set in place. But in the end, uh, we'll see that that unity would be restored and, and the wall would be, rebu be rebuilt in a very short time. Uh, and so it's a great story, and, and you can you know, read through the whole book fairly quickly. It's not a very long book. But uh, often when we think about uh, this, this uh, story and what happened in the life of Nehemiah, <coughs> the building of the wall, uh, oftentimes we, we think of this uh, in light of revival. And uh, a lot of times revival messages will, will have uh, uh, the book of Nehemiah in them. And uh, I've done revivals where we preached the whole revival in the book of Nehemiah. And so it's a great book. Uh, but again, you know, we have to understand that, that like Nehemiah is going to teach us here that, you know, when it comes to revival, um, not just, you know, I want to see revival at Central Calvary Baptist Church, but revival for Central Calvary Baptist Church has to start with each member of Central Calvary Baptist Church. Amen. 
And uh, I think a lot of us, me included, we want to see revival, but we're not really looking for revival in our own life. Amen? You know, we, we want to see some excitement. We want to see some growth. We want to see people doing things, uh, but we're not really doing anything. Amen? And so, again, that's where revival starts, amen? Now, of course, you know, I'm talking outside of, of physical limitations and providential hindrances, but I think you all understand what I mean. You know, uh, we want to see people excited about God, but are we excited about God, amen? Uh, and so I think that's important to understand uh, as well, and we can learn a lot uh, from Nehemiah. And I go back to what I said a while ago. The reason he was brokenhearted was because he had a right heart about things. You see, when you have a right heart about things, you will be brokenhearted over people that are struggling. You'll have a heart. You'll have compassion, which is always going to lead to, to your heart being broken. In other words, you're going to have uh, pity on people as well, and I don't mean that in a negative way. And so, uh, you know, uh, Nehemiah is going to teach us about revival, and, and we're going to see a constant devotion. In other words, a, a constant devotion, a constant state of revival that he was in himself and I believe that's needed today. You know, uh, you know we, we talk about backsliding. Hey, listen, Christians today, listen, we all are in a constant state of backsliding to some degree. I mean, as soon as we walk outside these doors, you know, the devil attacks. You know, I'm not saying you fall into some terrible sin, but, but we, we do. We, we get a little aggravated about something. You know, uh, these types of things happen. And so really, revival should be something that's always on our hearts and minds as individuals. In other words, this world is constantly eating at us, right? Uh, this world is constantly biting for our attention. This world is constantly attacking our eye gate and our ear gate. So revival is kind of a constant thing that we need to remember and understand. That's why it's important that we, you know, we attend church regular. That's why it's important that we pray regular, those types of things, because we need to be in a constant state of revival, because listen, the devil doesn't let up, right? And especially if you want to do good things for God. Hey, uh, I've seen it time after time. I've seen people that have gotten away from God, and they get back to God, and they start getting plugged in, and they start serving God, and you just hold on. Something is going to come down the road that is going to try to discourage them. It happens every single time. Uh, I've seen people who, <clears throat> who've been praying about taking a Sunday school class or getting involved in soul winning. They're, they're wanting to step up. They know they want to do more. They start doing more, and sure enough, something will come along uh, that, that will try to discourage them from that. I'm just telling you, we, we need to always be in a constant state of revival, amen? Because just like Nehemiah would be resisted, we're going to be resisted as well. Uh, and, and again, Nehemiah, he realized the wall uh, being rebuilt, uh, and, and, you know, and not just the, you know, it wasn't just the wall being rebuilt, but the order being reestablished would certainly help and strengthen the nation of Israel. And certainly the enemy knows that as well as we're going to see. And so, you know, things are going to happen that, that want to discourage uh, Nehemiah, discourage us even in doing what God has called us to do. And so, of course, we think about why the Jew was exiled in the first place. And even really after they came back from the exile, uh, we find them here some 90 years later, just a, just a short time, 14 years after the revival under Ezra, uh, but they were already blending in with the world again. <laughs> they were already, you know, being evangelized by those nations out there instead of them evangelizing those other nations. And the Jew was still learning the hard way that blending in with the world, again, those, e those heathen nations that were there, which always led to idol worship in their case, and that had always been their downfall, you know. 
Uh, and I mentioned this here a while back. We may not uh, worship idols as far as like we read in the Bible, but when we are more concerned about this world than God, that is a form of idol worship, you see. And so there's a lot of things that we could look at and make connection with, and I just hope that God will speak to your hearts because, you know, it's the same thing with any church today. Uh, certainly, we want to stand against uh, worldlyism. I don't know if that's a word or not. But uh, we don't want worldlyism uh, in the church, amen? We, we don't want that. Uh, but uh, we understand that, that when we do that, certainly opposition will come. Nehemiah and Ezra went through it as well, trying to set things straight. There's always resistance. But like Nehemiah, we have to remain faithful, amen? We have to stay steadfast. We have to keep working for the Lord. Even when there is resistance, we can't give up and throw in the towel. Uh, really, the key verse in the book of Nehemiah is Nehemiah chapter 2, verse 20. says, The God of heaven, He will prosper us. Therefore, <clears throat> we His servants will arise and build. Hey, listen, same thing for Central Calvary Baptist Church. The God of heaven, He will prosper us. What is our job? Our job is to rise up and build. Our job is to get out there and do those things necessary to see souls saved. Amen? And so I think that's important to understand. And so I'll go ahead and jump into the sermon. What I want to do is I want to read uh, the, the whole verses there. It's just 11 verses in the first chapter. So if you're physically able, I'm going to ask you, if you will, to stand with me in reverence to, in the Word of God, to the Word of God, that is, Nehemiah chapter 1. We're going to read those first 11 verses, then we're going to kind of go back through them. And just a couple of points that I want us to look at. So Nehemiah chapter 1, again, Nehemiah had a broken heart, and I say that's a good thing. Nehemiah chapter 1, verse 1, says the words of Nehemiah, the son of Hakaliah, uh, and it came to pass uh, in the month of Kislu, uh, that would be November, December, uh, in the 20th year as I was in Shushan, the palace, uh, that Hananiah, one of my brethren, came, he and certain men of Judah, and, and I asked them concerning the Jews that had escaped, uh, which were left of the captivity, and concerning Jerusalem. So he's asking them, these people that had actually been to Jerusalem, what's going on there? And they said unto me, The remnant that are left of the captivity there in the province are in great affliction and reproach. The wall of Jerusalem also is broken down, and the gates thereof are burned with fire. That happened when Nebuchadnezzar destroyed the city. And it came to pass when I heard these words, now notice the broken heart of Nehemiah. And it came to pass when I heard these words that I sat down and wept and mourned certain days and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. <clears throat> and said, and here's his prayer, I beseech thee, O Lord God of heaven, the great and terrible God, that keepeth covenant and mercy for them that love him and observe his commandments. Uh, let thine ear now be attentive and thine eyes open, that thou mayest hear the prayer of thy servant, which I pray before thee now, notice, day and night, for the children of Israel, thy servants, and confess the sins of the children of Israel, which we have sinned against thee. Now notice what he says, both I and and my father's house uh, have sinned. So he, he understood why things weren't going well. Verse 7, We have dealt very, dealt very corruptly against thee, and have not kept thy com the commandments, nor the statutes, nor the judgments, which thou commandest thy servant Moses. Remember, I beseech thee the word that thou commandest thy servant Moses, saying, If you transgress, I will scatter you abroad among the, na among the nations. And that's exactly what happened. You know, so they, they shouldn't be surprised. And again, Nehemiah is simply acknowledging these things, acknowledging his sin towards God. 
Uh, but he goes on to say that God also said this, but if you turn unto me and keep my commandments and do them, uh, though there were of you cast out unto the uttermost part of the heaven, yet will I gather them from thence and will bring them unto the place that I have chosen to set my name there. In other words, God in his mercy and grace, all they had to do was repent. All they had to do was get back right with God, start doing what he's saying, and he said, hey, I'll bless you. Okay, so that promise was there as well. And any, again, Moses had shared that many, many centuries before. Now these, verse 10, says, Now these are thy, I'm sorry, Now these are thy servants and thy people whom thou hast redeemed by that great power and by thy strong hand. He's simply talking about the Israelites. Um, verse 11, O Lord, I beseech thee, let now thine ear be attentive to the prayer of thy servant and to the prayer of thy servants. There were others as well uh, who desire to fear thy name. Amen. Hey, listen, we, we need to have a revival in the fear of the Lord. Amen. I tell you what, we need that. Uh, and prosper, I pray thee, thy servant this day, and grant him mercy in sight of this man. Uh, he's talking about King Artaxerxes. I'll explain this as time goes on. And we notice, therefore, I was the king's cupbearer. Father, we ask your blessing upon the teaching and reading, preaching of the word of God, dear Father. Help us to get a hold of some things. Just have a couple of short points here to make, Lord, and just hope that you'll speak to our hearts as we get ready to delve into this book over the next several Sunday nights, if it's your will. So, Father, help us. In Jesus Christ's name we do pray. Amen and amen. All right, I appreciate you standing. I know that was a little bit of scripture reading there, but I appreciate you uh, standing. You know, when we think about Nehemiah, and those of us that kind of know the background and what Nehemiah went through, um, you, know, uh, you know, he's trying to motivate people that really didn't want to be motivated. <laughs> you ever been there? Maybe you've been on the job. Maybe you had some type of leadership position and you know, you're trying to encourage people, and they're just kind of flat. You know, they're just like, you know, you know, their favorite song is, I shall not be moved. You know, and, uh, you know, no matter what you say, no matter what you do, no matter how much you jump up and down and scream, I shall not be moved. We've all been there, right? Uh, and that's really what Nehemiah was, was struggling with. And so we think about Nehemiah and all that he went through. And so what motivates, in this case, men of God, and even in history, women of God, but what motivates men of God like Nehemiah to put themselves in a position that really brings them hard work and sleepless nights? In other words, what is it that causes them to, to bring a lot of burden and trouble in their life? Now, the reason I say that is because Nehemiah, he had a place there uh, in Shushan. He had a place of security and nobility and recognition. Now, we think of a cupbearer as being kind of a lowly position, but it wasn't. It was a very high position. It was an honored position, uh, as we'll see here in just a moment. So what would cause Nehemiah to take, you know, there he is. He's, you know, he's, you know, he's living a good life. He's got security, nobility, recognition. To, to leave that, as we, as we won't get into that today, but sooner or later he'll be leaving that, uh, and a place of, of, again, contentment, and go to really a backslidden people who by this time had lost most of their hope and zeal for God. Why would somebody want to do that? Uh, and not only have to battle those inside problems, but certainly those outside oppositions as well. 
and so we say, why, why would he, you know, why would he want to do that? Why, you know, he could have just lived out the rest of his days in, 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 you know, pretty good comfort. And so the answer to that question is compassion. In other words, he had, he had a desire to take himself out of his comfort zone because, listen, even though they were backslidden people, even though they, in many instances, they weren't looking for revival, they, they were, you know, they were pretty much dead. He wanted, he loved them. He still wanted to see great things in their life. He had a compassion for that because he was, heart, he was heartbroken over that. And so, again, that's why these are, are good revival-type uh, things that we're talking about. But he had compassion on people uh, that were suffering. Uh, when he heard the news there, he heard how they were suffering and they were struggling in life. Now, granted, as we read there in his prayer, he knew it was because of their own sin. He knew that because they weren't making the right decisions, they weren't doing the right things, they weren't following God the way they should, but he was still heartbroken over the condition of the people. He was still heartbroken that, that they were suffering. And Nehemiah, he wanted to do something about it. Amen. Aren't you glad of the Nehemiahs that are out there even today? Amen. Yeah, yeah, amen. Yeah. Come on, people. D do you not see a connection here? Amen. Right? I mean, do, do we want to see great things for God or not? Yeah. All right. So we need to learn something from Nehemiah. We need, to, we need to get some compassion. We need to get some zeal. We need to get a heart for the lost. Amen? And boy, when you do that, the great things will start happening in your life. And so again, this compassion on people who are suffering and struggling in life. Uh, and God still needs not just men, but women that are willing to, to suffer. In other words, go through some struggles uh, because of the ministry, you know. Uh, so many people, they get out of the ministry because struggles. Very seldom do you see somebody that gets into the ministry because they want to get in the struggle. Nehemiah wanted to get in the struggle. He knew it was going to be a struggle, but that compassion. Not, I mean, he had a compassion and love for God, but he had a compassion for people, for souls, hurting souls. And we, need, we could learn a great deal from that, and God will certainly bless that. And so, uh, again, he, he, you know, uh, God is still work looking for folks that are willing to suffer uh, through those struggles in the ministry. Uh, God still needs people to do that, and, and people to, you know, people of a deep compassion uh, again, for others that are hurting, it's regardless, you know, we're not talking about why they're hurting, but they're just, they're just hurting. And, and sometimes, you know, just talking to other preachers, myself, you know, sometimes we wonder, where is the concern? Where is the brokenheartedness? You see, if you're brokenhearted for something, it, it changes you. Uh, where's the concern? Why isn't there more people concerned about what is happening to souls in this world? Does it not break your, does it not break your heart? When you hear about an 11, 12-year-old boy that's being taught by his parents to be a girl, I mean, not only does it infuriate me, but it breaks my... I mean, that soul, somebody that God died on a cross for, is being treated that way. Does that not break your heart? Does it not break your heart when, when a, uh, a man that is usually a good man, but he's addicted to drugs or some type of substance abuse, and he's, you know, he's drinking away the bill money, and the kids are in need. And, you know, does that, does that break your heart tonight? 
It should. Now, I, I'll, now sometimes I'll admit, sometimes I get a little, little hard-hearted about that. Sometimes I'm like, well, that's their bed. They made it. Let them sleep in it. Woe is me. Right? Compassion. You know, listen, these things, listen, they ought to break our heart because I can tell you whose heart is broken is God's. You know, that drug addict I talk about or those, those uh, you know, let's just be honest, those wicked parents that are caught so up in the world they want to use their, their children as a way to prove a point. God loves them too. God died for them. You see what I'm saying? So, so are we talking about, we're talking about having a broken heart. In other words, these things ought to break our heart. And if your heart's truly broken over that, then, then it will drive you to do things. And this is what happened to Nehemiah. And we see his heart. It was a heart of concern and compassion. He wasn't just trying to, to prove a point or, or get on his soapbox and say, you know, this is wrong and this is wrong. But he had compassion for people. He had compassion and desire to see people living right. Uh, and, and we know tonight that, hey, listen, when, when you're right with God, you're right with people. And when you're right with God and you're right with people, you're right in every other area of life as well. And that's what we want to see in people's lives. You know, these things that we see, some of them I just mentioned, are just symptoms of not being right with God. And so in chapter 1 of the book of Nehemiah, we find the, the truth behind what motivated Nehemiah. We see his heart. It was a heart of concern and compassion. Uh, it was a compassion, uh, and you know, not just a, a pity that stopped there, but it, it gave him a desire to, to see people start living right for the Lord as we see this, as we go through this, this series of messages. And later, Nehemiah would have to make some very difficult and tough situations and feelings would be heard and uh, some took it the wrong way as being attacked but in reality it was his love for people his love for God but his love for people and he was willing to do whatever necessary to help them get back on the right road if you will so I just want us to take a couple of, just look at a couple of things about Nehemiah uh, in chapter 1 I know the introduction was long but, but uh, that's the longest part of the verse so we're on the downhill slide from here on out so number one, we see Nehemiah's distress for his brethren. And we read there in verses 1 through 4, I'm not going to read all of them again, but maybe a couple verses. But we see several things in that, those first four verses, <clears throat> you know, along with some of the background information that we've already looked at about Nehemiah. And we find out later there in verse 11 that he was the king's cupbearer, as I mentioned a while ago. We know the king at that time was King Artaxerxes. Uh, he's serving in the king's palace located in the city of Shushan. Uh, at that time was the capital of Persia. Sometimes, you know, you know, you had Babylon still. But at this time, it appears that Shushan was the capital there of, of the Medo-Persian Empire. As I mentioned a while ago, the cupbearer's main responsibility was to taste the king's wine and check for poison. And again, we might think, well, that was a lowly position, but it wasn't. The cupbearer... Uh, was somebody that had to be trained, they were well-trusted, they were honest people, honorable, uh, honest, they were men, but they were honest men, they were honorable men. And as I said a while ago, they often had an influential role with the king, really, as an advisor. So, I mean, it was, it was an important thing. It, it was something that, that was probably coveted by some. And so the king was trusting this man with his very life. And, and so he was somebody that, that the king trusted in a lot of different ways, and that in itself, you know, the Bible doesn't indicate, you know, doesn't tell us this, but I believe it does indicate that, 
that it would take, you know, Nehemiah certainly had a protective nature about him to be what he was, a cupbearer. In other words, he kind of had some nurturing characteristics about him already. Uh, he certainly had compassion concerning people, and no doubt it had to have shown, again, for him to have that position to begin with, you know, to be a cupbearer. And so I believe his testimony was great. And we read there in verse 2 how Nehemiah would be, you know, he, hey, listen, he, he's got a good job. Everything's good. He's got, you know, uh, uh, nice things and, and prestige. And, and I don't think he was proud of that, but, but God was blessing him. And that is until the day he's visited by his brethren there, um, one by Hanani. Uh, and and uh, we saw there in, in verse 3 as well there were others but Nehemiah asked, you know, how, how are things, you know, going in, in Judah? How are things going there in Jerusalem? And we read how that sad report is given, and, and uh, we're going to learn later on through this series just how bad uh, uh, things were. Uh, there was an economic depression. There was a terrible famine that was going on, no rain. There was hunger. There was disease. All types of terrible things that were going on there in Judah. There was injustice of the poor. I mentioned that even by other Jews. Uh, in other words, they were, they were uh, uh, afflicting other Jews, which they were forbidden to do. People were being forced to mortgage their houses just to eat. I mean, that's how bad it was. Uh, they were being heavily taxed uh, as well in many different ways. Uh, some were even selling their children into slavery to pay off debt. Some were even selling themselves into slavery to pay off debt. I mean, we're talking, this is bad, this is bad news. Things aren't going well uh, in Jerusalem. And certainly there was no wall around the city, so they, were, they didn't have any protection, and the people were suffering a lot of persecution from those heathen nations that hated them, uh, that were surrounded by them, uh, and certainly not wanting to see them prosper and doing things to undermine uh, anything. So the people, by the time Nehemiah hears about this, they were a defeated, um, uh, just, you know, uh, they had lost all their zeal, all their happiness. They were cold. Uh, they, they, just, they, they just were not doing good at all. And again, they were certainly in need of revival. And we read there in verse 4, I want to read it again. I know we've already read it, but I think it's, uh, you know, for tonight, one of our key passages, and we see the heart of Nehemiah. So he hears all this, and it came to pass, verse 4, when I heard these words, Nehemiah, uh, that I sat down and wept and mourned certain days and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. Now, here we see the heart of the man of God. And again, you know, we, we don't like to see people's heart breaking, but, but really this is something that we need to get a hold of. He had a, a tender heart towards his people. He had a tender heart towards his fellow Jews, if you will. They were a people in desperate need. Yes, their unfaithfulness and their sin had brought this into their life, but Nehemiah at this point, now he calls out sin later, but at this point it wasn't about condemning them. You know, he didn't step back and say, well, that's what they get, I'm staying over here. You know, hey, I got it made. I got nice clothes. I got a nice house. I, I get to walk around in the palace. I'm surrounded by protection. You know, why, why, why would I want to go over and get involved in that? But he had compassion because his heart was broke. And he was willing to leave all that to try to go help a people that really had <clears throat> painted themselves in that corner, a people that probably wasn't even really looking for help, as we're going to see here as we study this. 
But Nehemiah wept and was brokenhearted because he had compassion. He had distress, again, over uh, the condition of the people. But his compassion, you know, wasn't the end. You know, I think sometimes we do get brokenhearted over people, but that's where it stops. <laughs> you know, we feel bad. We might lose a night or two of sleep, but then we move on. But that wasn't way with, with Nehemiah. Uh, his compassion, you know, that wasn't the end. He would also act, and he would do something uh, major. Uh, and as we will see, even though, you know, you know, again, he was driven by his compassion, his, his, you know, later on his motives would even come into question, and, and uh, you know, he'd be accused of trying to take over and those types of things. A lot of people would be upset, not only within the Jewish ranks, but without, certainly. Uh, but Nehemiah, as we're going to learn here, he would, although those resistant things came, he would stay steadfast in the Lord. But the main thing I want you to see for this point here is the distress for his brethren. Uh, and I think that's important. You know, folks, I I'm telling you, revival will never come into our life till we get brokenhearted about some things. Listen, I I'll, I'll just say this. If, if, if you're having a hard time with revival, it's because of hardness of the heart. You're not broken hearted. You might be sorry for some things, and you wish things were better, but you're not broken hearted the way that God needs you to be. Because if you are, now God can start working with you. Amen? It's just something I want to throw out there. Hey, I, I'm right there with you. I, I need this as well. God's speaking to my heart as well. And uh, so Nehemiah, he certainly had that. And we read there, uh, Nehemiah's prayer, beginning with verse 5 on down to the end of the chapter. We might reread a couple verses here. But Nehemiah's prayer for his brethren, I think this is key uh, as well. There's actually, you know, some theologians have broke this down in different ways. But, but there's about three parts of this prayer that I think are, are important to bring out. And uh, the first one is we see there in verse 5 that uh, Nehemiah is, first of all, starts off praising God for who and what God is. In other words, who he is. I think that's important. You know, when we have the right view of God, we have the right view of other things. If we don't have the right view of God, we're not going to view things the way we need to. Uh, but it says in verse 5 there, um, uh, chapter 1, verse 5, let me flip my page back. It says, And I said, I beseech thee, O Lord God of heaven. Now here's, he describes him, the great and terrible God that keepeth covenant and mercy for them that love him and observe his commandments. And so he, he gives God some credit here. He is the God of heaven. In other words, the only God. There are no other gods. God is, God is supreme. We've talked about this in other messages. Uh, God is all there is. Uh, uh, you know, your life. Hey, listen, <clears throat> if, if you walked in these doors, or for some of you, it's a little hard for you to get in here, but you got in here because God allowed it. God gives you the air to breathe. God, God allowed your heart to beat one more time. God has allowed you to take breath into your lungs and exhale it. Hey, listen, I'm just telling you, God is supreme. Amen. And we, hey, listen, we are nothing without God because he is all there is. He is the God of all that there is, uh, even the life of every person. He is sovereign over all that exists. Anything that exists is there because God allowed it. God created it. Uh, the, you know, whether it be planets, the stars, the universe, uh, and if there is any other thing that exists that we know nothing about, hey, listen, if it's there, God put it there. Amen. He is supreme. And I tell you what, if you really get a hold of that, that'll change your life. It says there our God is the great and terrible God. I mentioned a while ago. I tell you, you know, especially this day and age, you know, young people have a fear problem. They don't fear nothing. 
Young people don't fear their parents. They don't fear school. They don't fear, I mean, they don't fear, they don't fear the law. Uh, they sure, and they don't fear God. Amen. And, that, and that's, a, that's a shame. That's, that's a sad thing to see uh, because it's not good for them. Amen. It's not profitable for them to grow up that way. But again, they've been taught that. They didn't just grow up that way. They've been taught that. And so, again, I think about the great and terrible God. We should fear uh, God in that way, his great, unmatchable majesty. He is the supreme being. There is nothing above or greater than God. He is perfect holiness. Amen. He is a consuming fire. He is the God who, who loves and keeps his covenants to those that love him, that is, those that obey him. Jesus would say, you know, you say that you love me, but you don't do what I tell you to do. That really means you don't love me. I mean, he's right. Of course, he's God. He's always right. So, so we see that he acknowledges, he praises God for who and what he is, but we also see, uh, once he does that, we also see him asking forgiveness uh, for not only his people's sin, but his own sin as well. Look at verse 6, thou, Let thine ear now be attentive, and thine eyes open, that thou mayest hear the prayer of thy servant, which I pray before thee now, day and night, uh, for the children of Israel, thy servants, and confess, confess the sins of the children of Israel, which we have sinned against thee. Both I and my father's house have sinned. We have dealt very corruptly against thee, and have not kept the commandments, nor the statutes, nor the judgments which thou commandest thy servant Moses. Going all the way back, uh, even to the days of Moses. Within days <laughs> of getting the commandments of God, the children of Israel began to disobey God. And it hadn't changed. And Nehemiah is, is acknowledging that. Nehemiah, he's not blaming the culture. He's not blaming those heathen nations that were coming against them. He's saying it's because we have sinned. It's because we have gotten away from you. And, uh, hey, you know, you know, when you take yourself out from under the umbrella of God's protection, anything can happen, right? And, and those... Those circumstances, those results are completely up to God. We have no way of knowing just how bad things can happen when we get out from underneath the umbrella of God. And a lot of people are in a dangerous spot. They're playing games with God, and that's not a good way to be. But Nehemiah, he's asking forgiveness. He understands that. He sees all these things that are going on there is because the reason he's brokenhearted over them, but he understands that, that they have gotten away from God, and, and that's why these things are happening. But he wants to do something about it. And in a way, Nehemiah becomes a type, if you will, an example of Christ as an intercessor here. Now, Jesus, we understand on the cross, he became guilty for our sin. He paid the price. Now, Nehemiah, certainly he couldn't do that. He, he was not perfect. He was a sinful human being, as he, as he admitted here. Um, you, know, we, you know, we see that. We need not only ask God to forgive the sins of others, but our own sins as well. You know, I, I go back to what I said a while ago. Revival, really, you know, we, we're always looking at revival from other people. It needs to start right here. Amen. You know, I, you know uh, do, do you know that, that you can have a good time in the Lord and enjoy a good song and good preaching, even if nobody else in the room is? You should be able to. God's still God, amen? You know, and now I understand, I get it, you know, if it's a dead, quiet service, you know, it kind of, you know, it rubs off on us. I understand, I get it, okay? But in reality, it shouldn't be, because he's the God of heaven, Amen. Hey, listen, God's still God whether everybody's responding to him or not. Amen. If God never created a human being, he would still be God. 
Amen. Uh, and so I'm just telling you, hey, listen, if, if, if you can't get excited about God because nobody else is, then who are you really getting excited about when you do get excited about God? Hmm. Come on. Oh, woo, amen, ouch, woe is me, <laughs> right? Hey, listen, do we love God tonight or not? Hey, listen, I, I, I just wonder about that sometime. I'm guilty of it as anybody. And so we see these, these things here. And Nehemiah, he, is, he too is, you know, he said, look, we, we have cooled off. We, we, we have no zeal. We have no fire. We're not trusting you the way that we should. And so he asked for forgiveness uh, there in verse 6 and and, uh, you know, not, not just uh, a little bit of prayer there, but day and night. In other words, much prayer. Let me just say that, you know, I, I've been challenging you, you folks to come to these prayer times, but not just these prayer times, but even in your own private life. Hey, listen, we need to be praying. Amen. It's no secret that Central Calvary Baptist Church, we got some struggles. We got some things to overcome. But listen, we'll overcome them in relation to our prayer life tonight. Amen. Hey, listen, I'm, I'm just trying to help you. I'm trying to get you to understand something that, listen, God loves Central Calvary Baptist Church. He loves everybody sitting in these things. Listen, God will do for you what he's done for anybody. Amen. He's still on the throne. Hey, don't blame the culture. Don't blame the people here. Don't blame because there ain't no work around here. Don't blame because we don't have a lot of young people in our church. Amen. We can still do great things for God because God is God. Amen. We just got to get broken hearted about some things. And he said that he prayed day and night. And he, he, you know, that prayer, he spelled out that specific sin, not just a general, oh, Lord, I know I'm a sinner. Some of us need to go home and say, you know what, I need to quit doing that. I need to quit doing this thing right here. I need to stop. Amen. That's important. And it might not be a thing, but it might be an attitude, a, a you know, some bitterness or what have you. But I'm just trying to get you to understand he spelled out his specific sin in their case. Not obeying God, not keeping the commandments. And then we see him asking for God's mercy. And that's what's so wonderful about this. Um, uh, verse 8, he says, Remember, I beseech thee the word that thou commandest thy servant Moses, saying, If you transgress, I will scatter you abroad among the nations. That's what happened. But verse 9 says, But if you turn unto me, in other words, you do what I say, keep my commandments and do them. Though there were of you cast out into the uttermost part of the heaven, he's just talking about being scattered across the globe, yet will I gather them from thence. He says, he's, he's saying, look, you, you're scattered because you don't obey me. You start obeying me, I'll bring you back in. Amen. Isn't that wonderful news? Uh, and and God, God will do that for our life as well. I'll gather them from thence and will bring them unto the place that I've chosen to set my name there. Of course, he's talking about Jerusalem uh, in this case. In verse 10, now these are thy servants and thy people. And, and, and again, uh, Nehemiah is praying this, whom thou hast redeemed by thy great power and by thy strong hand. I believe he's looking back at the, the exodus out of Egypt. And, and he goes on to say in verse 11, O Lord, I beseech thee, I beg you, let now thine ear be attentive to the prayer of thy servant and the prayer of thy servants. There were others who were, were uh, praying with Nehemiah here as well, which is, you know, something we need to think about, who desire to fear thy name and prosper. I pray thee, thy servant, this day, and grant him mercy in the sight of this man. And, of course, he's looking forward to trying to go do something this, but he needed, uh, he needed permission from the king because, as it says there, he was the king's cupbearer. And we'll, we'll explain that a little better next week. 
but he speaks of, of, again, Israel's covenant God had made with them all the way back in the days of Moses. And he quotes some scripture. Actually, he's quoting from the book of Deuteronomy. And it was you know, certainly about sin and judgment, about not obeying and trusting God. And God said, look, if you, if you do this, this is going to happen. If you don't do this, then this won't happen. So sin, judgment. But the covenant was also about God's mercy as well. So God said, yeah, you know, if you do these things, you know, bad things are going to happen. But if you try to get it right, good things will happen. And that's what Nehemiah was, was not that he had to remind the Lord of it, but, but he, was, he was mentioning that. And he, had, he understood God's mercy. And hey, listen, aren't you glad for God's mercy tonight? You say, well, I'm forgiven. Amen, you are. But even as a safe person, you ought to thank God for his mercy. Amen. You know, some of us, me, you know, uh, <laughs> you know, we're, we're spoiled. You know, I know I've been hitting on this a lot here lately, but, uh, you know, we, we probably most of the stuff that God has blessed us with, let's just be honest tonight, air conditioning, nice cars, I mean, the list goes on. We don't deserve that. It's God's mercy. Amen. And it's His grace, too. But it's God's mercy. I mean, if God really gave us, even as believers, what we truly deserve. Because <laughs> He knows our thoughts. He knows, I mean, we can put on a show and we can, you know, act accordingly. But see, God knows our heart, doesn't He? I mean, you know, He, he really knows what's, what's in our life. And, and compared to, to the righteousness of God, you know, we're, 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 all we got is filthy rags. I'm just trying to get you to understand, if you've got some blessings in your life, don't feel guilty about it, okay? Uh, don't, don't, be, don't even be sorry about it. That's not what I'm saying. But understand, it's because of the mercy of God. God has allowed you to have things, amen? Whatever that may be. Uh, and we need to always uh, remember that. It's, it's God's mercy. And that's what uh, Nehemiah was, was, was talking about here. Um, he, was, he was relying on God's mercy. Praise God for his mercy. Again, not giving us what we truly deserve. And, and again, I mentioned verse 11 there. You know, we see that specific prayer concerning Nehemiah and the king. In other words, he was the cupbearer. He knew he was going to have to quit doing that job, which in those days, just simply asking that, he could have been killed for it. So, you know, he's, he's, got some, he's got some serious things to overcome, but God was going to bless. Uh, but that prayer, I go back to what I said a while ago. I know I've been encouraging you to, to really get serious about our prayer life. But that prayer, did, you know, he didn't just pray about it that night, but it was many days, months probably. And he prayed day and night and he fasted. But that prayer would be answered. And I believe God will do the same for us today. Now, We'll, we'll, we're going to stop for tonight here, and I want to give you the challenge. We're going to kind of pick this up and tie it together a little bit better, but for time's sake, because I'm running out of time, I want to go ahead and give you the challenge tonight. So I'm, I'm going to have Miss Layla come, and uh, she's going to get ready to play our invitation. The rest of us, if you will, I want you to stand with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, and, uh, you know, unless you just have to, I just really want everybody to be still for a minute and just listen uh, to, to some things, because I believe this is going to be key to a lot of things concerning our church and certainly these messages on Sunday night. And so as we stand with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, everybody just listen real quick here. What, what I want to challenge you tonight with is that we need, and I say we, me, I, you, 
we need to examine our hearts tonight. We need to examine our motivations. I'm not accusing you of anything. I'm just saying examine them. And we need to ask ourselves, do I love God's people the way I should? I want to say that again. Do I love God's people the way I should? Even though they may be unlovable at times, am I loving God's people the way I should? As Nehemiah did, am I brokenhearted? Do I long for revival, not only in my own life, but I do long for it in the lives of others, maybe even in our own church, you know, uh, people that we may know are going through a hard time. Uh, regardless of why they're where they're at, it could be their fault, but are we broken heart about it? Do, do, would we love to see things get right in their life? Are we broken heart about it? What about motivation to do things for God? What about motivation to get out of our comfort zone? Nehemiah, I just explained, he, he took himself out of a out of a great position and put himself in a, in a time of trouble and sleepless nights and great burdens, again, because he, he had compassion for people. And I go back to what I said at the beginning of this message. Now, here, here's the key, folks. It all began with a broken heart. You see, if we don't have a broken heart about things, things will stay the same in our life. I'm, I'm just here to tell you. And, and when I talk about a broken heart, I'm not talking about a bitter heart towards people. You know, they've done me wrong. I'm broken. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about compassion and love, a broken heart for hurting people, a broken heart for, for, for sin in their life or maybe even in, in our own lives. That's what I'm talking about. Are we broken hearted? I believe that's going to be the key to getting everything we can out of these messages that are hid, but also the key of how God's going to bless Central Calvary Baptist Church. I, I just simply believe that tonight. And it could be why God is, is wanting us to go to this wonderful book where we can learn some things. Nehemiah, he was a man with a broken heart. I, I believe this as Miss Layla begins to play. I believe that tonight God's just looking for some broken hearts. I'm not saying you've got to come down here and wail and weep. But I am saying that maybe we just need to kind of take our focus off ourselves and off our own little problems in life. You know, we all got problems. Everybody's going through something. I mean... But maybe we just need to take our eyes off those things and say, Lord, you know, I just want a heart. I, I, I want to love people. I want to love the unlovable. Lord, I want to I wanna, I wanna share the, the, the love of God uh, that's in my heart with those that maybe are struggling. I just go back. We just need to get brokenhearted about it. So the invitation's open. If God's speaking to your heart, you step out and come.